from the church, kind of when they're visiting somewhere, uh, when they're new. And I just want to let you know, we do everything we can to make sure you don't feel that way. Uh, we don't pass a plate. Instead, what we have is our red boxes that we spread throughout the facility that everyone wants to give through those they can do. And we encourage if you do call a different station home, if this is your church and you believe in what we're doing here, that you do that. We also have a tablet in the back of this, this room here that has a card reader attached to it. And if you're watching the home online or any later street, you can always give at epiphanystation.com. Now, the other thing I want to let you know about is really why we exist as a church family. We are here to love God, to love people, period. It's a, it's a simple expression of what we believe the church is supposed to be about. And one of the things that helps us do that and make sure we keep doing just that is our code. Our code is a set of beliefs that we have of how we live out loving God and loving people. And there are 10 elements to our code. You can find them on the website. We'll keep them hidden. And one of those codes is about our belief in, about prayer. And what prayer is and what it does and why it's important to who we are. We call it our heart code because we believe that we are supposed to be drawn towards heartfelt prayer. And this is kind of how it reads out in the code of a community station what we believe about it is that Epiphany Station exists to love God and make His love known by connecting our hearts to His, by expressing adoration, giving thanks, confessing sins, and interceding for the needs of others. We will make prayer an integral part of all of our gatherings. This is kind of like a family goal, something that we want to make sure is forever central and integral to what we do, for it's part of our culture. We want praying for one another, praying for people's needs to be as natural as saying hello. Well, maybe not as natural as saying hello because it's the most Norwegian town in the United States of America. Maybe as natural as when someone asks you how's it going and you say it's going. Like that natural. That's your first response when we pray for all things. And for people, we want that to be who we are. That's why we keep prayer as part of everything we do. It's, it's in our worship experience. We have a prayer team at the end of the experience. We pray in our small groups, we pray and celebrate recovery, we pray in staff meetings, we pray at business meetings, we make sure everything is laced with prayer. Because we believe it's essential to connecting our heart to His and His love to the world. So today we get to talk about a very specific part of prayer, a piece of prayer that we want to prioritize, and that's a lot of peace, is that we want to pray for people and understand why we pray for people and why we pray for the needs of other People. So if, if you are, if you consider yourself the church, not just a Epiphany Station, but you're part of God's church, believe in Jesus Christ, I want you to leave here today knowing the part that you have been called to play in praying for other people. Now, if you're not part of the church, this Jesus following thing is not yet for you. At least I want you to know why we value it so much and why there's a good chance sooner or later someone's going to ask if they can pray for you. This idea of prayer being so natural and normal to our culture as a church, it's not new. We didn't come up with it. It's not Pinkley Station's idea. We stole it from the Bible, like we do lots of other things. Because prayer was supposed to be foundational from the very beginning. Like early doors, the church was supposed to be built on prayer. So what we're going to look at today is really advice given and really a, a, an expectation of the church. There was a guy who really did setting up the church by the name of Paul. He was really the greatest church planter and missionary of our, ever, ever in the church. He would set up a church, leave a leadership team behind, and then move on to set up another one. And one he set up, he left in the hands of his young protege called Timothy, and he would write him letters to encourage him and instruct him in how to lead them. 
These letters we have in the Bible, the New Testament, are called 1 and 2 Timothy. And in 1 Timothy, we find this really sweet, really simple instruction and explanation of why praying for people is so essential. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it starts like this. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Paul's urging is that we would just simply pray for people. And all the people, no matter their station, and really no matter our relationship to them, we would pray for them, that this, this would be a thing that we do, that this would be a part of loving God and loving people. And the reason that I love this instruction so much is it's so achievable, it's so accessible, it's so beautifully simple, and at the same point, it would appear that it's so very necessary. Very few instructions you'll find biblically are unnecessary. So when we're told we need to pray for people, we're urged to pray for people, it must be because they need it. And therefore it must be because there needs to be something connected to their lives that isn't currently connected, and we get to play a part in that as a church, to fulfill something that is missing. Now if it was that simple, we'd all be praying all the time. But it's not that simple. We have difficulties when it comes to prayer, especially praying for other people. We have hang-ups and we have skepticism. Surely it's not that simple. Like, surely, like, it's not just go ahead and pray for people. Like, surely there's more prescriptive detail to it. Or, or maybe there's an exact how, or, or an exact when, or an exact who. Maybe I should pray for some people and not others. I don't want other people to get what they want. That would be a terrible idea. For some of us, it goes deeper into skepticism, into cynicism. Why should I? Okay, why should I pray for another human being? What? They can pray for themselves. Why, why should I have to care about their, their faith life? How much should I care about their relationship with God? They can do it for themselves. Maybe I don't think that they deserve or should get what they think they need. Maybe I think their prayer request is stupid. Maybe I simply don't care about them, for them, or love them to want to pray for them. And in the skepticism, in the cynicism, we can honestly excuse ourselves with what seem like a lot of valid reasons not to pray for other people. But if you look a little bit closer, I believe you boiled every reason you could ever give for not praying for another person. I think it would be about you. Like I think deep down it would be about me. Like I just don't want to. Like I, I, I don't want to. I don't I don't have to and I don't care to. And, and please don't take this as like a personal bash of your Christian character, but you can if you want to. That's the only reason we don't pray for people. Like the only reason, you can take all of them and bundle them in and time together, it's the same thing. We don't pray for people because we don't want to. We don't pray for people because we don't see the need, or we don't pray for people because we don't care about them, or we don't pray for people because it would make me feel uncomfortable. There's no real good reason we don't pray for people. It's simple, and every single person can do it. Yet we don't. So halfway through our conversation here, I'm going to pose to you the most important question you're going to have to answer today. In fact, it might be also one question you asked this week. Because how you answer this question will decide for you the part you believe you have to play in the relationship between God and other people and how prayer 
has a part to play in that. Very simple question. You ready? You don't sound ready. You ready? Yeah. Woo! There you go. Do people need God's help? Yeah. There you go. Nearly as enthusiastic as the first crowd. It's a very simple, very simple question. We can answer it very quickly too. But deep down, do we believe, not just some people, or the people you like, or the Christians you know, but do we believe all people need God's help? Because that is a more important question than what we should pray for, and how we should pray for, and who we should pray for. Because if we answer that positively or negatively, negatively it changes everything. If you don't believe other people need God's help, don't pray for them. Because if you don't believe that they need the help, there's a good chance you don't think you need His help either. There's a good chance that you're missing out on the reason that God has interacted with mankind from the beginning, because it's necessary. And so if we don't believe they need his help, or we don't believe someone deserves his help, we won't pray. So no. But if we do, in any way, shape, or form, believe that someone, anyone, needs God's help in any way, shape, or form, that's all the reason you need that's all the motivation you need. That's all the instruction you need in how to and why to pray for another human being. Because when we pray for them, we connect our belief, our faith, our conviction that our God is real, that He is good, that He is capable, that He cares, and that He's interested intimately in the lives of other people. We connect that belief to their very real and tangible needs. And with the rest of our time, what we're going to do is we're going to explore what that looks like. And if you believe that people do need God's help, this is going to be instructive, it's going to be applicable, it's going to be challenging, it's going to be good. If you don't believe that they need God's help, this is going to be boring. And Candy Crush is a really good game. Go ahead and download that and spend the rest of your 10 minutes with that. But if we genuinely believe they do need help from God, this is why Jesus gives us form to prayers, why Jesus prioritizes prayer and teaches how to pray. Very specifically, for the things people need most. What we need, and what they need. He gave people his answer to how should you pray, something we've come to refer to as the Lord's Prayer. I think the name can be a little bit deceiving, because it's not really the Lord's Prayer, it's the Church's Prayer. He gave it to us, so that we would know what to pray for. And you might have heard it, you might have heard it growing up, I know I did. I know I, I heard it and learned it and can recite it verbatim long before I believed anything about God. It goes something like this in the old style. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I have known that since being a little kid. And I think it's probably the most recited prayer in existence. And that's just the problem, is it gets recited. It doesn't get prayed. We don't actually think about what's being said often when we just say it. And see what Jesus is actually saying we need and what is essential for us to pray for. So I want us to walk back through it. In language more commonly used by us today to see what Jesus really meant by this is what you need to pray for for you, and it means also what others need. He said in this newer translation, look, pray like this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, 
May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive and forgive those who sin against us. And don't lead us, or don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, if you look at the very beginning of that, those first couple of requests, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come, may your kingdom will be done. What we start to see is that something specific we're praying for there is really to see God for who he is. That we start to see his name as something different, set apart, perfect, holy, in need of reverence. And that not only would we just fall in love with a name, keep his name holy, but that we would fall in love with his will and his desire. That we would want his desire, like in heaven they do, that I would do too. So we get this application of really what we're praying for, and as Paul has led us to pray for people so they could understand the truth, is we're praying to understand the truth about God. We're praying to understand the truth about who he is, his character, what makes him different, and why we would ever love and worship him. Now you fast forward to the back half of this, this Lord's Prayer, this church's prayer, and it takes a different turn. There's some prayer requests specifically about people. Uh, forgive me because I've done stuff wrong, and help me to forgive other people, and don't let me yield to temptation to do evil. It's, it's starting to understand more about who I am, and how I relate to other people. That I do wrong, I've done wrong, and I will continue to struggle against doing wrong forever. So therefore, forgiveness becomes an essential piece of every relationship you'll have, and your relationship with God. And it finishes with this plea, please help us fight against evil. So this back half of the Lord's Prayer becomes a prayer to understand the truth about people. We understand the nature of who we are, that we're sinful, that we struggle, that we do evil things, and we don't want to do that anymore. So we get the first half, which is to understand the truth about God, and then you get the second half, which is to understand the truth about people. And between these very spiritual, very godly, sounding requests, you find this weird little nugget in the middle. In verse 11, you see, give us some food. Like, that seems out of place to me. Like, the other two, like, sort of God-focused, and people-focused, and sin-focused, and forgiveness-focused, and like, give me a Big Mac. Like, it's just this weird, weird piece that's jammed in the middle of these two very spiritual bookends. But Jesus seemed to think it was essential and important and if it was essential and important, then what if he was trying to say was, what if he was trying to communicate is that God's not just interested in your spiritual health. He's actually essentially also interested in your physical. And he wants to use his ability to provide for your physical to show you the truth about himself and the truth about people. That God would actually care enough to give you food so you can see that he is who he is and you can see that he, you are who you are. Because it is important that we understand the truth about God. Don't get me wrong. And it is important that we understand the truth about people. It's good. It's maybe more important that we understand the truth that God loves people. And that's what this weird little bridge in the middle is. This, this humble request. Give me sustenance. Give me survival. Give me the thing that I actually need to continue to live. And then when he provides, we connect the dots between what we see about him and what we see about ourselves. And so as we pray, we get this opportunity 
for ourselves and for other people to understand the truth. That's why we pray. To understand the connection between God and people. That's what it does. It actually gives testimony. Our conviction, our core belief that God is caring enough and loving enough to want to fulfill the needs of another human being. But not only does it do that, but it also paves the way to God's display to another person, to them, to their own eyes, in their own life, that this is what he does. That this is how he cares, this is how he loves, this is how he changes hearts, this is how he changes circumstances, this is how he fulfills genuine needs. It's simple, it's beautiful, and God says it's good. He says it's good and it pleases me when you do it. Because when you do it, you are fulfilling the greatest mission and goal of the church to help everyone understand the truth and be saved. So when it all comes down together, there's only really one question that we kind of get wrestled with is if we think that people need God's help and we can do that through prayer is, will I? Like, will I? Why pray for people? Like, that's a thing you have to ask yourself. Will we pray for each other? Will we pray for people who have needs? Will we pray for people we don't know? See, there are husbands in this room that need to pray for their wives' needs. Not trying to fulfill them, but let God do that. There are wives who need to pray for their husbands. There are parents who need to pray for their kids. And kids, you need to pray for your parents. Man, do they need it. So grandparents, will you pray? Uncles, aunts, will you pray? Friends, will you pray? Strangers, will you pray? Bosses, will you pray? Employees, colleagues, will you pray for people? As Steve Rivians, Penningtonians, Minnesotans, will we pray for people the way that God has called us to pray for them? Because when we can talk about this all day long, the only way a culture changes and where prayer becomes something we actually do is when we decide to do it. So you have a very simple task, a very simple challenge. If you are a church, find opportunity. To pray for people. Don't make excuses that are all about you. Pray for people. Act out the peace that has been played out for you to fulfill. To connect your belief to the need that they have. See people come to understand the truth by the way that you love God and love people. And connect with us in prayer. Now the reason that we're doing something a little bit different today. We're taking a break from the series. And we've got this really cool t-shirt on. There's an amazing amount of displayable colors out there on the program. Is we have an amazing opportunity as a church family this week to do something special with prayer and specifically praying for other people. For the past few months, we've been working with four other churches and two other organizations to bring to our community prayer at the fair. Now, prayer at the fair is an initiative, it's an endeavor to connect people of our community and their needs to our God in prayer. So we're working with the E Free Church, working with Covenant Church, Nexus Church, Community Church, TRF, House of Prayer, and the Gideons to bring what I believe is probably going to be the largest outpouring of others focused prayer this community has ever seen. And I want you to take part in it. I want you to make your mark at this historic event in which we actually show people that we care more about what God thinks of them than what we think about our own little churches, our own little cares, or our own little insider focus. So there's a couple of ways that you can do that. It all starts and kicks off kind of this Wednesday, July 17th is kind of full time. Wednesday morning we'll be out at the fairground putting up this ginormous, ridiculously sized tent. So that we can house all sorts of kids' activities and couches and 
water coolers and fans and a place for people just to have a comfortable environment. And then in that afternoon, we'll be getting ready for the parade. We'll be gathering out of the Evangelical Free Church, which is about two blocks this way. And if you don't know where that is, we head out of town towards Pedro Parade. It's kind of on the left there. And we're going to be in the parking lot there at 5.30 on Wednesday afternoon. And then we'll get ourselves situated. we walk over towards the Ralph and get our places at parade. And then we're going to walk together. Hundreds of Christians from different churches and organizations walking together to actually prove that Jesus' love for the world is more important than our differences with one another. So if that's something you want to be a part of, we want you to be a part of it. You can actually head over to the, uh, the kind of parade station that kind of Kelly, our manager operation, is at. She can give you more information that you need. She can also get you a t-shirt, get you all decked out, get you all ready. And you can then be a part of this initial effort to connect people through prayer. The parade in itself is to push us in the direction of the fair and give people good reason to be there. At the fair, this tent will be, and there will be people there like you who are ready to pray with individuals. We're ready to entertain kids with kids' activities. We're ready just to make people feel comfortable and welcome. If you want to be a part of that, then all of the kind of sign-up is done online. The program that you're handed has a little bit of instruction on how to do that. We're all decked out on signupgenius.com. If you use Kelly's email address, kelly.com, you can find the event that we've got going on. And you can sign yourself up to one of the slots. We're going to be there from noon to midnight. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we have prayer captains kind of over each of those areas that are going to lead. And then we want you to fill those places where you can slot in there and find a two-hour slot that you can do in any of those time spans. Mid-afternoon, late evening, then you want to do the 10 to midnight room. So you're there. But all of this, all of this is not so that we can say we did something. All of this is so we can do something that we've been called to do. We've been called to pray for people. This is a unique and beautiful opportunity for us to connect our faith and our belief in God's love for people who need it. So I urge I urge the church to first of all pray for all people. Make it a part of your life. As we wrap up this conversation and experience, we're going to have the music team come on up and then lead us in a song, a response. And as they do that, as always, because it matters, because it works, because it's who we are, we'll have our prayer team down front. Our prayer team is here to pray for you. You can come up to them at any point during a song, at the end of the experience. You can say much to them, you can say little to them, but they want the opportunity to be able to pray with you for the very reasons that we've discussed today. So as we take the time to do this, let me just take the opportunity to pray for all of you. Father God, we thank you that you give us prayer, just even the opportunity to speak to you, like that's a thing, like you would actually listen, that you're a Father God that wants to hear from his kids. We thank you that we have such clear instruction that you give us boldness and courage to come to you without needs, such as most material and basic of needs, and our deepest spiritual needs. So help us to have, and I ask you to give us as the church, that deep conviction, this is who we are. This is what we do. We pray for people. We pray, we pray, we pray some more, so more people will understand the truth and be saved. I ask if anything comes out of all of this this, this week, today, 
And the parade and the ferry will be that people will come to see Jesus who he is, the one mediator that can reconcile us to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, Maddie talked about.